Hi everybody and welcome back. This is Luke Bajarski, your host. Super excited to have Paul Goodman here from Mapbox on the show today. If you haven't heard of Mapbox, then you've definitely used one of their applications. The company is the underlying technology and development platform that powers many of the custom mapping applications that you might use on a daily basis. So today I wanted to talk to Paul about the future of digital mapping technology, not only as kind of the basic navigational tool uh, that we've grown accustomed to using, but also the role of mapping tech as a game changer in terms of interactions between customers and travel brands. So Paul, welcome to the show. Why don't you kick it off and tell us a little bit about what you're up to at Mapbox. So, so you know Mapbox is a platform company, right? So we are a developer-focused location company. And what's really interesting about that is we serve so many different use cases, um, not just within consumer, but really across the board, right? Whether it's folks that are building the next generation of autonomous vehicles or uh, some, some of the traditional, uh, really robust business intelligence use cases like a, you know, an IBM Cognos or Power BI or Tableau. We're powering the location layer and so much of that. Um, when it comes to travel, you know, it's been it's been interesting trying to get a real pulse for what's happening and what companies are really dialed in um, when it comes to technology. And, and as a platform company, there's no shortage of things that we can do. It's just really a question of how do creative product teams take these building blocks and make something really original. And I think that's frankly, there's still a ton of opportunity in the travel space. Um, you know, from where I sit, kind of as an outsider in the space, so much of the effort has gone into the aggregation of hotel rooms and beds and you know experiences, all the back-end systems to power, um, really to power your ability to transact, right? And at the same time, there's this huge opportunity to create really great experiences for people. And I think that's still, that story is really still being written. Right. So what about in Ma- with Mapbox then, how does the company think about the travel space? I mean, is it just hotel and air or kind of what segments do you include within that bucket of travel, so to speak? Yeah, so we, we have a pretty broad you know, uh, definition. So it would be anything from the OTAs, and search engines to um, folks that are really thinking specifically about experiences. Uh, so, you know, maybe I'll share a few customer examples. Yeah. Right? So we have, so, you know, as an example on the, uh, more of the traditional travel side, like Lonely Planet, for example, if you download their mobile app, that's a Mapbox customer, a Mapbox map. And, you know, one of them, I really love that use case because they were seeking to solve a problem that they've already solved on the print side, right? Which is, how do you create this content that somebody can put in their pocket and not have to think about when it comes to connectivity and you know, roaming, international travel? And they were they were basically looking to say, hey, we want to replicate that experience on a mobile phone, and we need the maps to be a part of that, right? And that's where our Maps SDK, our library for creating mobile maps, is really useful. Some of the early work we did on offline to let people bring that content offline is really powerful for them. And then, you know, as a as a company that's super opinionated on publishing, of course, they also wanted to bring kind of their look and feel, right? So being able to do the branded piece. So that's that's an example on kind of the traditional you know, experiences side, if you will, publishing side. And then we also work, you know, really across the board, whether it's Booking.com for some of the experiences that we're powering for them in China to uh, Hotels.com, same story there. And then we also work a lot with companies like uh, Norwegian Airlines. We've worked with American 
we did a really fun thing with United Airlines. Uh, United was looking to prove that if you're in Manhattan, getting to Newark can actually be a lot more efficient than getting to JFK, for example. And so they ran this big ad campaign last year where they were showing the ETAs from somewhere in Manhattan to Newark and, and to JFK and actually showing that Newark was like much uh, more accessible as an airport. Of course, that helps them with their story about that as a hub. And, you know, we're, right. we're happy to kind of plug into all these different um, uh, attributes or aspects of the, of, the, of the industry, whether it's, you know, that sort of marketing use case or a much more heavy duty you know, asset tracking use case where, you know, one of the airlines is actually looking at items moving around the runway or around the uh, airport gates to understand where things are, right? So there's there's just this whole variety of um, use cases that we touch, you know, from those to actual flight tracking um, to some of the trip, you know, aggregators, like I mentioned. There's, there's just, like, a whole wide spectrum. Um, and from my point of view, this is actually one of the areas that's it's really interesting, right? So all the things that happen before you book, all the things that happen while you're booking, and then all the things that are happening after you book, for me, this is sort of a gap, right, in terms of real leadership and application of technology in the, in the space. And, you know, when, so when we think about what Mapbox can provide, we really think about the kind of that end-to-end experience and where we could fit in. You know, plenty of companies are going to say, well, you know, right now we're really just focused on optimizing the conversion of somebody who is searching for a you know, uh, a nice suite in Amsterdam, uh, whereas another company is going to say, yeah, actually, we really would like to become a trusted partner from you know, the day before they book all the way through till you know, the day after their trip, that kind of thing. Right. Right, right. Yeah, and that's definitely, I mean, that's one thing I wanted to, to talk to you about. I mean, clearly mapping has evolved from just kind of your basic navigational get from point A to point B, and it's really becoming this kind of you know, unique experience with live time information and data kind of pouring in. Um, you know, how is that kind of evolving in terms of, you know, in terms of the sophistication and the amount of data that you're able to kind of put into maps and, you know, what's your take there? Yeah, so I think that there, there's actually a lot of low-hanging fruit uh, for the travel industry, right? So that could be anything from Hey, you know, where, where, literally, where are these beds, right? And how do we actually represent them to an end user in a way that is not just, you know, truthful about location, but also really timely and personalized, right? So there's, there's just a whole set of things that, um, that Mapbox does, that other companies do, that where we basically are saying, hey, you can actually level up um, your experience quite a bit. And it could be, Again, just showing the location. It could be providing a 3D view of that location. It could be showing how that location co- connects to other uh, places of interest that are um, selected for you given a certain profile. Right? There's there's just a ton of low hanging fruit there that I think right. needs to be further developed. But honestly, you know, the ultimate litmus test for all of this, as you said, is all the data coming in, the real time nature of it, the right. variety of sensors that are coming on. I mean, honestly, the we're going to see. We're going to see the real power use cases for that coming in other industries like, you know, on-demand, package delivery, or uh, restaurant food delivery, the things we're seeing right now with something like Uber Eats or Uber Pool, where, you know, you're combining multiple assets on the fly to deliver to multiple locations. And I think we're really just at the kind of the tip of the iceberg with that, you know, predominantly because, one, 
some of those use cases are really starting to just now come into light. But two, down the road, so much of this is going to be autonomous, right? It's going to be autonomous vehicles and fleets or semi-autonomous vehicles and fleets that are powering these use cases. And in that instance, the location the location and information is just so critical, right? Because the machine, right. you know, they're developing these tremendous sensory capabilities, but the kind of stuff that your 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 Chinese food delivery person does still can't quite replicate that, right? Like when they show up at the right door, you know, uh, knocking on the right uh, on the right side of the door, whether it's a, a number department or not, you're going into the building, all these things that we do that are second nature, obviously for humans, but the the machines are. They're just they present these huge challenges, right? So I, I think wow. that's going to be the ultimate test of location technology in the next 10, 20 years. Um, and you know that's one of the reasons that it's just so exciting to be uh, supported by SoftBank. If you look at their vision, whether it's ride sharing and ride hailing, uh, food on demand, all this kind of these, these different industries that they're investing in that are going to require just tremendous location capabilities behind the scenes powering them. Right. You know, one thing that I've been looking at and I think a lot of people are looking at right now is just the kind of the proliferation of 5G network technology and just the need for faster Internet speeds to power a lot of these new applications that you're talking about in terms of, you know, IoT and automation. I mean, is it fair to say that, uh, you know, if we think about the role or how, you know, in terms of limitations, in terms of the the you know the processing and connecting these tools and clearly maps plays into that in terms of uh, you know navigation and all that stuff is it fair to say that kind of like the if we think about outward looking in terms of tracking how quickly some of these technologies might develop is it is it you know is it does it make sense to say hey you know it will kind of fall in line with 5G network technology if we think about you know like because we hear a lot about IoT, but there isn't really much consensus in terms of how fast a lot of this stuff is going to develop out. Oh, I mean, there's huge conflicts around how fast, right? And a yeah. lot of a lot of blustering. Right? Like, right. It's kind of amazing. You know, if you were in Detroit two years ago and you know you started listening to people's timelines for autonomous vehicles, suddenly fast forward to now, it's like that's pretty soon, right? Like 2020, 2022, this stuff with level three, four, five autonomy is, you know, it's it's looking more and more like those are presenting bigger challenges. There was a great, did you see this interview with the Waymo CEO about how, you know, one of the key takeaways was some of the pieces um, came much more easily than they thought, but the reality is still like actually delivering a product that people can use is just so challenging, right? Putting something on the road. And of course we have the, we have the headlines like Uber and, you know, the Southwest and what's going on, you know, what's happened there. But, but that's that's really the most like sensationalist. It's just also really hard to drive a car down the street, right? And, right? Like this is where I think you know certainly connectivity is an enabler. It's a key enabler, right? You can't do the kinds you can't provide users with the kinds of experiences that they want um, without it. You certainly can't. So, for example, like an autonomous vehicle is going to benefit tremendously from knowing what's on the roadway based on the previous vehicle that drove down that roadway, whether it was five seconds ago, five milliseconds ago, 10 minutes ago, it doesn't really matter. You need the ability to actually be transmitting so much content um, over the wire, right, as it were. And this is where the connectivity is gonna come in. Come in. We, you know, we certainly need the connectivity, we need it to be affordable. Right. Um, and I, I do think it's gonna enable 
it, it will continue to enable amazing use cases. Now, in terms of timing, will it be the limiting factor? I doubt it, honestly, you know, because um, of just how complex some of the stuff is outside of connectivity. But uh, if you listen to the, you know, the wireless carriers, certainly they would say that. Right. Uh, how much of a priority is the consumer stuff that you guys are doing relative to some of the other stuff in terms of, you know, IoT, navigation, etc.? It's big. I mean, it's a really big part of our business. If you look back to the origins of Mapbox, you know, first of all, we were bootstrapped. We had 30 people uh, working out of D.C. You know, before we took a, a, a single dollar outside. And a lot of our success came from getting super close to our customers, understanding their problems. And, you know, one of the first commercial customers for Mapbox was actually Foursquare. You know, this is back when Foursquare was really the best when it came to um, reviews mm-hmm. and the consumer-facing side of their business. They're still great in that regard, but as you probably know, they're, they're doing a lot when it comes to the data now and you know making sure that the data is accessible to companies that really need a great POI database, uh, Mapbox included. So we have a great partnership with them. But if you go all the way back, you know that was one of our first real commercial launches. And I think if you look at some of the key milestones for Mapbox as a company, uh, especially as a really strong growth, you know, Foursquare is big, Snapchat, another big one. Uh, we work with Facebook now, um, you know, to power their map experiences. And travel is a really natural offshoot of all these kind of consumer use cases. And travel is also the place where we see a tremendous amount, consumer in particular, but uh, or more broadly, but travel in particular, we see a lot of opportunity for creativity. We also see some of these like social companies edging into travel in ways that is probably going to force them to up their game a little bit. Um, and I know you've, you know, you've talked about right. that in the past with others. Um, I'll give you an example. Snap launched a feature I really like, which is um, they're able to infer your travel behavior based on your, you know, checking in on the app, uh, opening the app, and firing some location events. And so when you open the app, you can actually see your, for example, if you flew recently, you'll see your most recent trip kind of painted on the map. You'll see your friends, you know, their travel plans, and if they flew or took some other form of transport. You see all these really interesting things that are that are just being seamlessly inferred from uh, from data coming from mobile devices that the users are you know willing to share with Snapchat in order to get a really great um, experience. So we're seeing companies like that that are innovating in ways that start right. to feel like they're maybe encroaching on some of the traditional travel pieces. Um, and I'm excited about that. I think that's a great opportunity for uh, travel to look around and say, well, look, these are some of the best product teams in the world, right? Um, yeah. And what can we what can we learn from how they're implementing using technology and, and growing their businesses? I mean, it's, it seems like clearly as these platforms move into the travel space, whether it's Facebook or Snapchat, kind of edge, like you said, edging into uh, kind of the traditional travel player territory. Then I mean, clearly, Maps is going to be at the, the the centerpiece there. Just like you know, in the olden days, you needed a map to kind of get around get around. Uh, but you know, break out the the Rand McNally. You know, if you're going to be helping customers navigate through the physical world, then clearly you're going to need uh, mapping applications. And you know, so what? You know, what what are the capabilities there relative to what's happening in the rest of the space? And the rest of the space, I mean, you know, in terms of the mapping eco industry ecosystem, you have you know Google, you have Apple. But then you have all these other players that may not necessarily, you know, have been working on maps for, for, for quite a while, for, for as long as they have. Is that where Mapbox kind of fits into that industry ecosystem then? 
Yeah, it's a super interesting question. So, uh, and by the way, Rand McNally is a customer that we work with. I love that. You just oh. gave that example. <laughs> it's funny because you know when we when we you know started working with Rand McNally, it was just such an amazing moment where we were you know so many people on our team were like, well, man, I had a I had a Rand McNally Atlas in the back of my car, right? And you know, same thing with Lonely Planet, right? Like so many of us have traveled overseas and abroad using Lonely Planet guides and. You know, for Mapbox to be the vehicle for those companies to go digital is, is you know, certainly for me, it's been one of the highlights of the last few years. So it's, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I think, but, but with the point you make about Google and Apple is really interesting, right? Like if you open the Google Maps application and you just search for anything around you, when you open the map, you're going to see places that you have been and you're going to see searches that you have made, right, that are actually featured on the map. And what's really interesting about that is that, you know, it highlights their focus on creating experiences that are both personalized and really can be advertised against, right? Because obviously right. That's, their, that's, that's their bread and butter, that's their focus. So, you know, the, the, the place that Mapbox fits is, you know, for the first time, we're actually providing people with the ability to create personalized experiences, right? So that every single time that I open the map or that you open the map, it can actually be a unique experience based on, my relationship with an app that's something you just can't do today with apple or with google you just you don't have the ability to actually seamlessly combine uh some personalized content with some content from your maps partner uh in real time and and that's where mapbox comes in um really you know to geek out a little bit it comes down to our renderer or our map renderer so you know you mentioned you worked with maps in the past so much of the traditional way of thinking about maps is like you put a bunch of stuff in the map machine and out comes an image, right, of, of, of the place. Um, these days, we're able to combine all this raw data on the back end with what you want the map to look and feel like through our renderer, right? So almost like a video game that's rendering a scene, you can, you can render the map at 60 frames per second. And what that means is, you know, Paul's map is going to be very different from the next person's map, right? The content that I care about um, and that I want to see on the map, whether it's places of interest or uh, businesses that are open or, you know, the kinds of hotels I like and the kinds of parks I want to go to, all of this content can actually change dynamically on the fly. And that's where I think there's a tremendous opportunity in the travel industry to take all this content that people have about, hey, are you a business traveler or do you predominantly book for personal reasons? Do you like to go by yourself or do you like to book as a group? Do you have any number of preferences, right? You want to actually go see museums over bars. All the stuff that matters to travelers can be exposed both at a kind of a group or cohort level now. And then even, you know, going down another level to the truly personalized level, you can actually start exposing that content on the map in ways that are not gimmicky, right, that are not over the top, but are actually just really subtle guideposts that reinforce the notion that the brand and the app that you're interacting with really is thinking about who you are as a person and as a traveler. It really wants to make sure that you have a great experience, right? So hmm. I think that that's a, that's a tremendous area of opportunity. We see it being, you know, sort of silent, but it's happening out there right now. If you look at, for example, like what, what Google's doing, um, I really, I think it's great what they're doing in their Google Maps yeah. Uh, consumer app, right? The reality is that developers can't actually tap into that same tech, right? And so um, this is where Mapbox provides a lot of value to companies that are looking to figure out how to start injecting more of that content um, into the map on the fly based on what they already know about their about their users and their customers. And, and the nice thing is 
that's a relationship that they have between their customer and really has nothing to do with Mapbox. We don't we don't get in the middle of that relationship. We don't get involved in that relationship. We don't even look at the data side of it, right? All of that is actually happening on the device itself. So it's completely private between the app, um, you know, right. developer and the app user in this case. Does does Google have a developer platform as well? Or yeah, they they do they do. Right. So they have maps. You know, they, they have gotcha. maps and APIs that people can use. Um, right. Typically, what you get is the sort of generic Google Map that um, you know has a. Uh, again, I, I, there's a lot of great things about their product, um, and of course, they're they're really well used. Uh, but it just doesn't offer a ton of flexibility in terms of how you can leverage your data to make a better map experience. Gotcha. So it's known that Mapbox is more robust and, uh, I guess, flexible in terms of the what the developers can do on the platform relative to Google? Yeah, I, I, would, <laughs> I would say that. Um, I, I think I, <laughs> right. I don't want to, you know, again, I don't want to be too bombastic. They're doing of a course. great product. Sure. Um, they make a really great product for consumers. Obviously, they've done extremely well with the advertising side of that business. Um, we have never done anything with advertising, and I think when you look at some of our customers and some of the kind of um, early customers of Mapbox, you know, there are a couple of threads that really come through. One is they tend to really be thinking about the details, right? They, they tend to be thinking about how to create a great experience, whether it's a really complex data visualization, like the kind of stuff you see in business intelligence, um, or companies that really want to push the limits of the you know the mapping space in general so like if you look at the boom and drone companies and how many of them have used the mapbox platform to to process imagery and create mission control applications you see a lot there right and then on the consumer side you know i think companies that have really big ambitions um you know and great creative um, ideas like a snapchat or a facebook you know they're they're sitting um there saying how do we create something that is entirely special and unique here and do it in a way that really honors our users, our customers, right? Or the people that are using our, our tech every day. Um, and of course, you know, the purpose of that is to drive engagement. And I think we've seen some really great stories around how by adopting um, the map, the Mapbox map platform and, and, and really uh, releasing something special to them, you know, in, in, in the spirit of what they want to provide for their users, they're actually able to drive engagement up considerably. Right. How do you see the space? Is it a you know is it a high growth kind of space? I mean, things have moved so quickly over the last ten years. I mean, clearly, mobile computing has been a big part of it. Where are we at now? Is there still considerable kind of room to grow beyond you know within the consumer space and clearly with all this other new edge technologies that we're talking about? What's the kind of the industry consensus? Is this is this still kind of the wild west of mapping, or is it kind of you know getting more competitive? Yeah, good good question. I think it's it's tremendously fast paced, right? Yeah, and that's not to say some of the same challenges and opportunities aren't you know coming up year after year. Of course, right? There are some fundamental location services that we have to be able to solve really well. And, you know, I'll give you an example. Like something that's never going to go away is taking a latitude and longitude and saying the name of the city, right, or the name of the address. Um, it's just that there are going to be so many more demands for that content, right? As all of these different sensors come online, as user-generated content just proliferates. So if you look at, um, you know, we, we've got we started with you know all these like let's go all the way back to MySpace, right? We've got MySpace, predominantly web. 
Facebook, currently predominantly mobile, right? Uh, Snap comes out, all this content that stories that are being created that are short-lived stories that people create almost as if they're disposable, right? But suddenly we're hanging all this other content and context on those stories, right? So the location is attached to them. Um, I don't know if you've heard of TikTok, right? So TikTok, another um, yeah. just, just massive, like, nobody can quite figure out where this came from, right? But this massively explosive use case with uh, user-generated content and overnight, you know, so much traction. So I don't, I, I think we're going to just continue to see it. Um, and the content and the, the, the format is going to continue to demand um, this richness that we haven't seen in the past where adding a couple pieces of content together actually starts to tell a whole new story, right? So, um, you know, I was talking with one of my friends here at Mapbox and I was saying, hey, when you go to uh, Barcelona, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to check out? Like, how are you going to know what to go do? Are you going to use, like, TripAdvisor? She was like, no, I'm just going to look at the Snap map. Like, I'm just going to go on Snapchat, I'm going to open the map, and I'm going to see where the heat map is telling me that cool stuff is happening, right? And that's, that's content that is occurring over the last 24 hours, right? So I, okay. I think we're seeing like just the pace of this stuff is just outstripping so much of the, the legacy tech and the legacy way of thinking about things. Of course, there's always going to be a place for some really solid, verified, you know, content, whether it's written by a professional journalist or, or you know, somebody's writing a book about a given destination or it's on a trip advisor or wherever else. But, but the reality is like, that's yeah. not necessarily the first place people are going to go for content anymore. And and when you do follow that newer pattern, you, you're going to want the context that goes along with the piece of content. You want to know exactly where things are occurring. I don't know if you saw this this story. It was kind of remarkable. It was about um, it was about uh, tourists going to national parks and how the national parks are starting to intentionally try to introduce some fuzz into the location tags within those parks. Have you heard about this? No, I can. So this, yeah. this should this could be like an entire follow up for you with whoever you know. You should check this out. Basically, uh-huh. basically the the issue is that Instagram, Snapchat, all these different platforms have made it possible for like armchair tourists to figure out where they're going to go just by looking at the platform, right? So instead of getting the official guide to Yosemite or wherever, you can pull up Instagram and be like, I, actually, I want my selfie from that rock with those flowers in the background, right? The issue now is that so many people are doing that that actually the flowers are getting trampled, right? So like the headline is all these natural, you know, this beautiful natural splendor is actually at risk because for the first time, people can figure out where the best photo ops there are in some of these national parks because the content is being tagged on the fly at such a high level of detail. It's kind of amazing, right? It's like an unintended consequence of of all this, you know, this yeah, shift that wow. we're seeing. Yeah. So, so that is just not going to stop. I mean, it's going to accelerate. It's going to continue to go uh, faster and faster. And then, you know, to my to my the, the comment I was making earlier, like. We're going to see all of that play out, not just with humans, but also with machines, right? They're going to try to be delivering services across the world. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but if I go to, I live in San Francisco and Oakland, but if I go to Paris, I still want to take an Uber or Lyft, right? Like people, their expectations now, the consumer expectations are heightened to such a degree that these services are going to continue to proliferate. And um, location is a long way of saying location is really fundamental to that happening. Wow, fascinating! You know, I love the I love this uh, the the example that you brought up of TikTok and how fast things are moving in terms of disruption. 
you know, like just incorporating one little element. I mean, clearly it's a very innovative platform, but taking like music and adding like this, you know, music layer to traditional social media just kind of opened up this whole new platform for the world. I think they're now larger than, uh, I think they're larger than Snap and even larger than Twitter in terms of uh, adoption. So it's, that's really interesting. Amazing. Yeah, it's Amazing. really. I mean, I, one of my favorite things about working. Uh, so much in China has been just watching some new, some of these new use cases. We we work with uh, a couple of fitness companies out there. Uh, Keep is one. Kodun is another. And you know these are not companies that I'd heard about before, even though I work in you know the location space. And when I started to work with them, it was just so obvious that something was really different, right? And, and the first thing is the scale of the opportunity, obviously they're serving a market that is just dramatically larger than anything we've seen in Western Europe or, or in the US. And the second is just the pace of innovation. I mean, I think we, we shared some um, documentation, some APIs with the team over at Keep, and then like it's, it felt like almost instantly they had built out a, an app that would let somebody go for a run in a park and hold up their phone and see an augmented reality who else had done that run and their times and it was like oh my god this is like this is just it's amazing to see how fast uh the pace of innovation is and um right. you know the, the experimentation that's happening on such a big scale um, i don't think we you know if you've worked in the u.s for a long time it's kind of hard to fathom uh, but right. pr- pretty amazing yeah, so you, you worked in China, and Mapbox is doing a lot of things in China. So what, and I know this is kind of going a little out, out of the scope in terms of mapping, but, you know, is the, the I was listening to some somebody speaking, some, you know, influencer speaking, saying that how, uh, you know, China, China doesn't really get branding, it doesn't really get, uh, you know, I, you know, it seems like a lot of these applications are really starting to come in. Do you see, you know, the West kind of adopting to a lot of the Chinese platforms and brands, you know, coming down down the pipe now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think there's a lot in that comment. Like, I think yeah. there are, there's a lot to pull apart. And you know, one of the things right. has been just this, this sort of like, I don't know, latent, expectation that what Chinese developers are creating is sort of like copycat stuff, right? Like there's been a right. perception for years that Chinese developers are just kind of ripping off what was happening elsewhere. And I think the reality is now we're seeing that like so much innovation is happening in China. And, and some of it is some of it is based on just the, the basic facts on the ground, right? Like where mobile adoption is has just thanks to mobile and some of the slower infrastructure rollout and other platforms, you know, people are adopting mobile at a massively uh, rapid pace and what that's meaning for the sort of interconnectedness of other services like pay, payment services, ordering, food ordering, all these kinds of things that are uh, a little bit slower uh, in the U.S., for example, where there's a longer history. Um, this stuff is just spreading like wildfire. And so there are a bunch of kind of market conditions that are different. And then I think, as I said, you know, we're, we're seeing that China is actually becoming a leader in some of these new use cases. And, and some of them are spectacular, like what I mentioned on the fitness side, you know, some of the AR stuff. Some of it's like really TBD, right? Like, I don't know if you follow the bike share space, but, you know, what's been happening with OFO and some of the other big um, venture backs, bike share companies, right. you know, what, what's coming out now is that is certainly the Wild West, right? But 
but then again, you know, there's there's definitely something there. Micro mobility is just changing the way people get around everywhere. So, I I think it's um, it's a it's a it's a space that you just can't afford to not be following. Um, and certainly, there's going to be more movement from China elsewhere. And the, the you know the the first reason for it is just so elementary. I mean, the the reality is that there are just so many Chinese people going abroad. Right, more Chinese people are going to go abroad than. Uh, Americans have passports, right, each year. So the reality is there's this, there's this huge migration um, of folks that are traveling for pleasure and are forcing uh, all kinds of destinations around the world to change their behavior, right, to actually accommodate that and support that, that, um, that influx. And what that's going to mean is it's not just a matter of, like, translating your menu, right? It's going to also mean that all of your app experiences need to either be supportive of that kind of traveler Right. Or the traveler's just going to use whatever they use at home, right? Which means that they're going to drag, you know, the big Chinese companies overseas with them. So there's there's a ton of interesting stuff happening there, and um, obviously a lot more to talk about. Right. Very interesting. So what's uh, so what's next for for Mapbox then? I know that you guys are working a lot with augmented reality. Uh, the, the kind of the key sentence, the key slogan on the, the homepage said, says that our tools let developers build a new world powered by location data and, you know, kind of augmented reality is right at the center there. Um, can you talk a little bit about what's what's happening in that area? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we're, we're going to continue to be really developer focused, right? That's, that's not going to change. So the business, you know, we tend to kind of live vicariously through uh, developers and engineers, product teams that are building cool things. Um, they are touching so many use cases, it's kind of hard to even sum it up. But yeah. there's no doubt that there's just tremendous demand for real-time information about the you know what's happening out there in the physical world right we need to be able to essentially use the map as kind of the clutch plate between this digital set of experiences like ordering food and wanting it to be delivered in, you know 20 minutes and the physical reality that somebody actually has to drop that thing off in your house or you know some machine needs to actually drop that thing off so the map is really the location services that go with it are really critical to that and we're we're just investing a tremendous amount in the tooling and the developer experiences, but also a lot in the um, ability to collect data that powers that kind of, uh, that really kind of vital function, right? So right. one thing that I'm really excited about is um, a new SDK that we launched and currently in a, in a beta uh, for, that, that can take a phone and through just a phone camera and the uh, hardware you're running on the device itself can actually, uh, observe the world around you, collect information about anything from like a speed limit to road marketing to all kinds of data about um, whether it's vehicles that are stopped, accidents, all kinds of things that it can observe. And then it can transmit that data back to, uh, essentially right back into our data processing pipeline, right? So to turn these observations that can be gathered purely on a phone without having to transmit a bunch of video content or images, you just take kind of the bits and the bytes that have been derived from images and you can actually send those back to the cloud to turn into data that gets ingested right back into the map so that as i was talking about earlier you know, the very next vehicle that traverses the road knows that actually there's a broken down vehicle here you know as verified by somebody uh, some vehicle driving 10 minutes earlier right so that's what we call the vision sdk i would check that out um, it's super exciting we have a bunch of early partners that are 
mm-hmm. using it in vehicles, front-facing cameras on existing phones. It works on Android, iOS, on auto-grade um, uh, hardware. And there's just a ton of opportunity there around really accelerating the pace of um, and the update frequency of collecting some of this, this data that is just vital to providing that really next-level experience. Right, right. So what are kind of the, some of the big questions that you're going to be asking um, you know, as you lead the consumer um, consumer team forward in terms of travel and you know where things are going, are there any like uh, you know guiding questions that are you know leading your your efforts forward? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that two, the two key themes for us are one, you know, personalization, right? So how do we empower a company that has a bunch of users and a lot of rich knowledge about those users and what they like and what they don't. How do we empower them to create a much better map experience? So we're going to do that through the, uh, you know, through the some of the existing tech that we have, and of course there are new things that we continue to build. The second one is how do we create um, that entire narrative or flow, right, from pre-booking to all the way through having taking the trip itself, and some of that is. Uh, technology. Some of it is honestly just like you know, acknowledging that companies often are siloed. We need to really be able to talk to different groups within companies and bring them together around a shared, shared goal or vision for what it means to be a customer of theirs, right? Right. Um, and you know, to me, those two things are just critical for us. And really, you know, Mapbox provides a ton of value today that um, you know we can use to help customers of ours unlock value for for um, for their users. Great. Wonderful, Paul. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much. I know we've uh, gone a little bit over here, but this is fantastic. Uh, super, super interesting conversation. Sounds like you have a lot, uh, a lot on your plate, a lot of good stuff on your plate. So super excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. And hey, we'd love to uh, see you in San Francisco.